You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Before we get to this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know by now, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I hope by now that you do as well. Uh, And it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I have used SeatGeek to buy Mavericks tickets to go see Yogi play. I've used it to buy Rangers tickets. I've used it to buy Ed Sheeran concert tickets for my wife. Uh, I've used it to buy IU tickets. And you can too. You'll find IU basketball tickets on there, IU football tickets, uh, and any type of live event pretty much that you want, you will find on SeatGeek And I highly recommend the app because it does make it so convenient. And that's the thing about SeatGeek is it is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And they save you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we have fun discussing the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 82nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 413th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, June 28th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment comes in the form of a quote from a former Hoosier who may not have grown up in Indiana, but who is as beloved here in the Hoosier state as any born and bred Hoosier could be. And you probably already know who I'm talking about. Yes, the NBA's 2018 most improved player, Victor Oladipo. Here's the quote as relayed by Pacers reporter Jay Michael in a tweet on Wednesday. Oladipo on what he tells potential free agents, quote, if they want to come to something bigger than themselves come to Indiana, unquote. And that right there tells you all you need to know about why Victor Oladipo is as beloved in this state as he is and why he's able to be both an effervescent superstar and a quintessential teammate, which is not something most athletes can pull off. Victor may be from Maryland, 
but who cares? He could be from Mars. What matters is that in his mind, in his heart, and in his soul, he understands the deeper meaning of basketball in Indiana. And so while I am all in on Archie Miller's inside-out strategy and think that targeting in-state stars like Romeo Langford and Trace Jackson Davis is a no-brainer, while also targeting solid four-year players like Robert Finnessy and Brandon Newman is smart too, what will always be more important than the state a player comes from is the state of mind he arrives in. Archie's ability to get this assessment correct on a consistent basis is what will ultimately determine his long-term success or failure at IU. Jeremy Hollowell, Hunter Mascara Perea, and others came from Indiana, but weren't about Indiana. Victor Oladipo, Jawan Morgan, Robert Johnson, and countless others didn't come from Indiana, but they were Indiana. And now, if Archie Miller ever feels like his players have forgotten what it means to play for Indiana and what this beautiful sport means in this state, all he has to do is point to the simple words of the world's biggest current Indiana basketball superstar. If they want to come to something bigger than themselves, come to Indiana. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is back after a two-week hiatus, one of the world's most renowned bracketologists, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and now the biggest fan of the Atlanta Hawks Summer League team. He is a newly bearded Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? I, I mean, I am excited to get my Atlanta Hawks Summer League gear, uh, you know, that I'm sure will be arriving in the mail shortly. Uh, but uh, no, certainly wish Robert the best as he goes through that. You know, we talked a lot about the social media stuff, and, and this actually came from social media, although it isn't necessarily, you know, something that the uh, the school put out. But it was from Cliff Marshall this morning. It was about Al Durham. Uh, Al Durham could have slept in this morning, but he was up before sunrise in the gym by himself working on his game. He still has a lift class and then another skill workout this afternoon. And it's basically a, a shot of Al uh, shooting jumpers uh, and and working on his game. And I think it it's easy for us to sit here in the offseason and kind of wish it away uh, and say, I wish that it was Hoosier hysteria. I wish that games were starting and things like that. And I think um, while there's parts of me that are right there, you know, with with everybody who thinks that there's also a part that, um, you know, you don't want to to kind of wish away the times of the off season that these guys can really improve. And you talked about Oladipo and the leaps that he made in the off season by putting that work in. Um, and a guy like Al, who's putting that work in this off season, you, you know, you kind of forget in your own, you know, selfishness or whatever you want to call it to get the season here. You, you, for, it's easy to forget how much these guys can improve and how much they can grow uh, over the time of the off season. I thought that was a good, you know, obviously exciting for people to be able to get a you know small glimpse into what Al's doing in the offseason, but kind of a, a reminder in some ways that as exciting as the season will be and should be when it gets here, um, there's a lot of time between now and then, and there's a lot of growth that you can see from these guys. And uh, as we look at guys from one year to the next, these are important months for them, uh, even though they kind of feel like throwaway months as a fan where you just want to get rid of them and, and move on with the calendar. So, uh, you know, just something to something to think about as we you know move through the off season and the dog days of summer, as it were. Just what these guys are doing. Uh, uh, and there's a lot of good coverage from the IU Twitter account and just other things that are giving you an idea of what they're putting in, the work they're putting in to get ready for the season. And to my right, it is not Ryan Phillips, writer for the Big Lead and host of The Hangover, with his usual rant. He was all set to join us, but then he had an unfortunate misadventure on his way to our assembly call remote studio in San Diego. I was stone friggin' sober and lost my phone in an Uber. 
On the bright side, at least we can all learn an important lesson from what happened to Ryan. And the moral of the story is never leave your friggin' phone in an Uber like an idiot. Yeah, well said, Ryan. Instead, we are once again joined by the founder of Delphi Bracketology, Andy's new nemesis in the Bracket Matrix rankings, the host of Talking Hoosier Baseball, an assistant coach at Western High School, and a man who we learned last week is a master in the art of subtle trash talk. Now I know why Ryan's new show is called what it is, because he kind of drafted like that, I think. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> he is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm going to say the word competition. And uh, we talked, both of you in, in your opening statements talked about an improvement in, in an NBA player, Aladipo, and then the improvement uh, of Al Durham working on his own. You know, all of the programs across America have their, their workouts, their four hours, their lifts. But it's what is done outside of those lifts that really make players better and make programs better. And what really makes programs better is if everyone is improving at such a high rate that there is great competition for playing time. And that is something that I'm really looking forward to. And as Andy said, and you can uh, tell you guys are starting to talk like great coaches and Andy's uh, been a, a great coach at his level. Uh, you don't want to wish away these, these moments. And it's really nice to see, uh, on social media, the the variety of players uh, that are that are doing the required workouts, but also we know that they're in on their own. And and when you have talented players who want to come in on, on their own, that just makes the program better. We saw, uh, I think, it's Forster dunking and said uh, on social media. I think we saw uh, Fitzner today. If, if um, that was my interpretation of him in a social media. There's going to be a lot of players in the program now that are going to be uh, somewhat close to each other, and it's going to be competitive, and then it's going to raise uh, all levels of play. And so that's uh, what's exciting uh, to me right now as we see former Hoosiers improve, and as, as you said, Jared, and a current Hoosier improving through social media, and let's hope that 13, 14, and, and even the walk-ons are pushing each other to get better and get this Indiana program towards its sixth banner. Well said, Coach. All right, here is what we are going to talk about this week. We're going to give a quick recap of the results from last week's three-team, seven-man IU basketball player draft, and then Andy will present the team that he created with the leftovers. He took the challenge, and you'll hear what team he came up with. In segments two and three, then, we're taking our deep dive on Zach McRoberts, what his role is likely to be at the start of the season, and what he'll need to improve on to keep his minutes on the more talented roster that Coach just alluded to. And then in segment number four, we will answer your questions. Got a few really good ones submitted, so we we look forward to answering those. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Now, real quick, before we get to all of that stuff, I want to tell you about two great ways to shop online for tickets and for IU gear that also help us out at the same time. So remember these two URLs, iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Bookmark them, memorize them, whatever helps, because when you use them to buy IU tickets or gear, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. So iutickets.shop will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can browse the latest listings on IU basketball tickets and always find the best prices and deals. You can also search for IU football tickets or any other sports tickets, concert tickets, anything. As long as you use iutickets.shop as the URL to get there, we will get credit. And as a bonus, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. 
iustore.shop will take you to the official IU online store where they have gear for everyone and everything from shirts, hats, and jerseys for adults and kids to tailgate gear, office gear, basically you name it, and they've got it. We really, really appreciate you bookmarking and using those URLs because the commissions do add up and they help us cover the growing costs of running the show. Whatever. It's just so friggin' confusing. Yeah, but it's really not, Ryan. Whenever you're going to shop for IU tickets or IU gear, just use the URLs iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Again, that's iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Thank you. All righty. You are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. So, uh, coach, last week you were on with us with Ryan. We did... A three-man draft. We each drafted a seven-player team from the last 12 years of Indiana basketball. Uh, if you didn't you know, get to hear the teams, go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, I was a little worried about how that episode was going to play, but we got a lot of positive comments on it. People seemed to enjoy it, and we certainly had fun with it. But we said that we would let the audience decide who drafted the best team. And I have to say that based on the audience response that we got in the YouTube chat, on Twitter... Coach Tonsoni's team was the clear winner. Uh, the combo of Eric Gordon and Romeo Langford with Cody Zeller anchoring the post really was too much for me and Ryan to overcome. I don't even know if anybody even really thought about our rosters. Once they heard that you had those three guys together, it was pretty much over. And that made this little bit of Tonsoni trash talk quite prophetic, I will say. I commend you guys for trying, and I'm glad you had me on for this segment. So, so if you need uh, some further instruction, I'll be glad you know send you some emails. So would you like to take a quick victory lap here, Coach? Because you, uh, you were clearly the winner based on the audience vote. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank all the fans in the chat room and all the listeners that voted for me. Uh, without you, I wouldn't have been on top. And, and it's really for you guys that uh, I showed up last Thursday and, and made the pick. So uh, without the fan base, uh, I wouldn't be able to draft. But, you know, it's also a little bit easy to go against you and Ryan. So I don't know that it was uh, – the toughest competition. So, um, <laughs> the trash talk, it no, just keeps it was, flowing. Yeah. It just I keeps to continue a little bit. No, I appreciate it. it was, I like it how was, he just slips it in like normal conversation. Like he's just talking and then it just very subtle That's slides in. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it was, I think honestly, the, the third pick was nice because it allowed to see where everyone else was going. And then when you have that first snake back around and you get three and four, that kind of, you know, I was, I think the third pick was fortunate. That's why. Ryan offered the first pick I declined because I thought that that position of third and fourth, you get two of the top four players yep. and in Zeller and Gordon. And then from there on out, you always had two picks and can kind of see what's left and pick. So I think the position had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, I would have to say coming in second by a razor thin margin was Ryan's team, but we don't need to linger on that anymore. Andy, let's go to the leftovers. You unfortunately weren't able to be there with us, but you did take on the challenge of drafting a team of the leftovers, all the other guys from the last 12 years that didn't get picked. Let's quickly run down your roster. Okay. Well, I, I will say that I, uh, I enjoyed listening to the podcast. We were driving back from vacation, so it helped us get through uh, West Virginia. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was much appreciated. And, and my wife and I both got some good laughs out of, uh, out of coach's trash talk. So, and I think we both landed on, on his, we would have voted for his team uh, as well. So, um, so congrats to him. And, and from there, so obviously with the leftovers, I, I took as many liberties as I possibly could in terms of, you know, what you guys talked about was, you have to take their last year of production. I opted to take their best year um, because and otherwise just, I'm not really sure. The rules. 
in some cases, in some cases, I picked a specific game of who of what version of a player I wanted. Uh, I we also said that, that I was able to get extra players as a result of that. So we'll uh, we'll get into that. So so quickly, the team that I had, uh, I had a couple of uh, Kelvin Sampson All Stars at the beginning. I had Armand Bassett and Jordan Crawford. Uh, I, I took those couple guys. Verdell Jones, who averaged almost 15 points a game in the 2009-2010 uh, season. Uh, Tom Pritchard, author of the Pritch Slap, uh, and did score nearly 10 points a game in his, I believe it was his freshman year. Uh, Maurice Creek, so I, I choose, you know, his his stats from his freshman season, um, most notably the Kentucky game. So uh, if I get the best version of him, that's helpful. Along similar lines, Deron Davis, uh, because I realized that at that point, um, I'm going to definitely be playing a more traditional uh, postman in my, in my lineup, as you see here. So maybe a, a four out, one in type scenario. So I took Duran. His stats were best from last year. Uh, Stan Robinson I took because anybody who's followed the show for a long period of time knows that uh, Jared and I were uh, you know, staunch supporters of Stan Robinson. I know that he can defend centers. Uh, and I specifically said that I wanted the version of him that scored 21 points against Oregon in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. Uh, that, and that, that was with Rhode Island. That doesn't count. Uh, yeah, it was always there. You and I always knew don't, don't deny it. Uh, and then, uh, the others, I said, I got extra players. So I took Justin Smith off of, uh, off of this year's team. And, uh, and last year, I think, you know, a lot of growth there. And then Tijon, I mean, I'm going to probably end up based on, you know, playing Tom Pritchard and Jerron Davis, I'm going to need additional fouls inside. And I don't know of anyone better suited to be able to provide those fouls than Tijon. So, uh, I also opted to take Derek Elston as my player coach. Uh, he is on staff, so uh, I chose not to go with Kelvin Sampson. Although many of the rules he's broken are now, uh, you know, legal, That's so true. perhaps that would be, uh, perhaps that would be okay. But again, I figured I could use all the help I could get. So if I could find a way to get a player coach, that that was the uh, that was the route that I went. I think I would probably be uh, in a difficult spot against any of your teams, but I felt like you know choosing from what was left when when you sent me the spreadsheet that you guys used to draft, I think there were approximately two players sparse. left on it that didn't get drafted. So uh, I had to, you know, kind of dig through and, and make my own rules, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll live with the guys I got and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. So it let us know on Twitter, uh, what you think of Andy's team. Again, if you missed that episode, it's episode 412, where we did the draft, you can go to the show notes, you can see all of our rosters. Uh, we really had a lot of fun with that. So thank you for all of your votes, all of your feedback. That was a lot of fun to do. Okay. Coming up, let's, we got to get to this. Let's continue our off season player by player analysis. It is time to talk Zach McRoberts. He has played a bigger role than expected each of the last couple of seasons. Will it happen again this year as a senior? even with a roster more stacked with talent. We are going to discuss that and break it down next. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. If you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call and you will find us. Or you can watch our live video broadcast on Thursday nights and participate in the live chat on YouTube. And when you watch on YouTube, whether you watch us live or watch the archive version, for better or worse, you get all of the between-segment banner that doesn't make it into the radio or podcast edit, like the great conversation that we just had reminiscing about uh, Verdell Jones. Uh, and also, on a recent episode, that included Ryan making this really strange comment about Andy. I wish I had his upper body, man. He's ripped. I don't know if that's accurate, but all right. 
Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. All right, I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And every offseason, we go through each returning player and really dive deep, uh, you know, talk about their strengths, talk about their weaknesses, talk about what they need to improve on. This week, we're talking about Zach McRoberts. And, and guys, to start, I just want to give a quick reset on his career because it's really been a remarkable career so far for Zach McRoberts. You know, we know that he had a brother who was a five star recruit and an 11-year NBA veteran, so he's got it in his family. Uh, at, at the high school level, he was very successful. He went back-to-back state titles as a sophomore and a junior, was an Indiana All-Star at Carmel, and then his freshman year of 2015 played at the University of Vermont and was solid. You know, he played 40% of the minutes, was second on the team in offensive rating, and Vermont is a good program. Like, they have been a Ken Palm top 76 team three out of the last five years. And just for comparison's sake, last year, Indiana was number 71. Vermont was number 76. And for a lot of the season, Vermont was actually ahead of Indiana. And it was easy to make the joke that Zach had taken a step back by transferring and playing for Indiana instead of Vermont. But you probably know the story by now. He attends Indiana in 2016, doesn't play basketball, apparently got excited by Indiana's Big Ten title, decided to walk on in 2017, started the season really far down in the rotation, but ultimately ended up playing about 25% of the minutes and was you know one guy playing defense on a team filled with guys that didn't, and, and there were clearly a lot of injuries on that team. And then last year in 2018, he starts the season far down in the rotation, but ends up playing almost 50% of the minutes. So he played 15 or fewer minutes in all of the first 10 games. Then he played 31 in the huge win over Notre Dame and had you know probably the most memorable play of the season uh, when he you know made that pass uh, to Jawan Morgan. And then he only played less than 20 minutes three times the rest of the season, was a starter, had the second best offensive rating on the team, albeit with very limited uh, attempts, and we're going to talk about that. But he was the best three-point shooter in terms of percentage at 39.4%, had a steal rate of 3.6% that was 37th in the country and first in the Big Ten. And so he really made his imprint on last year's team. And now, you know, I've seen some people predicting a slide down the bench, a slide down the rotation for Zach because of all the talent that is coming in, Andy. But, you know, based on the role that he filled last year, you know, the fact that this is still an inexperienced group and a group that's going to be driven by defense because Archie Miller is their coach. And just based on some of the comments Archie has made, I at this point, I'm going to be surprised if he's not starting come the first game. Um, and we'll talk about some things he needs to do to you know, kind of entrench himself in that spot. But are you kind of feeling the, the same way that people talking about him getting fewer minutes already are uh, a little bit premature with that talk? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I was listening to a podcast on the break earlier in the week and, and you and Alex were talking a little bit about, you know, who are the guys that you think are, you know, if you, if you said there's going to be eight or nine man rotation, who are the guys that you think are, you know, locks to be a part of that? And I don't think, I think you guys mentioned him. I don't think he landed in the group of, of actual locks. I think you really just had Juwan, Romeo, Devante, and and Justin Smith. I, yeah, I mean, I would have certainly argued that he'd be on there. What what I see when you kind of go back through that synopsis um, is you had in the last two years two very different coaches who ultimately valued different things. I think we'd all agree couldn't really, you know, probably started the season with a thought of, look, this guy's a walk-on. I'm unlikely to, you know, need this guy, use this guy. And they eventually both got to a point where, like, he had to be a key part of the rotation. Again, it's one thing if that's a guy like Archie. But, I mean, Crean saw the same thing 
where, you know, on that team, he was still playing a heck of a lot more than what you thought uh, he would have. I think just because of the intangible things that he brought to the table and, and ultimately these guys are in it to win basketball games. So you got two guys with different philosophies that both walked away with the impression that this guy gives me a better chance to win. And I'm not sure that a whole bunch of new guys coming in change that a whole lot. Um, and I think if anything, some of the additional offensive firepower that's there with a guy like Romeo actually helps McRoberts stay in because it's somebody who else who can help to offset what his deficiencies would be. Coach, uh, obviously a guy like Zach McRoberts, like Andy just said, you know, two different coaches who value different things. They both saw reason to give Zach more minutes than anybody would have thought. Do you see any reason that would change as his senior year approaches? The the only reason that changes is if the talented players come in, match the level of intensity and match the level of play that McRoberts has. Uh, and that is, a, I think, a big reach for freshmen coming in uh, for their, their first year. I, I think sometimes players like McRoberts benefit um, from rosters that were missing some of those intangibles and that basketball IQ, and so he rises up. Uh, and that could be why he had more minutes in the last two or three years. And I'll go back to the opening statement I made. It's about competition. Zach McRoberts has set a high mark, and the competition has to rise to that mark in order to take his spot. And I think that uh, the things that he does well are going to have to be matched uh, by players who might be physically more gifted. And if they're not matched, then you'll see continuing minutes uh, for Zach McRoberts. As a coach, uh, though, you do look at putting your best team out there. And what each year you start over to some extent. What you did in the past is not necessarily a guarantee that you just slide into position because what you've done in the past, you have got to maintain that and improve that and then beat out the competition. And I think there's more competition. So if we see a slide in his minutes, that's probably a positive for the program because the other players are rising to or above what we already consider to be really great level of play by McRoberts. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni doing our offseason breakdown of Zach McRoberts. You know, I, I was thinking about this today. I mean, you know, we often talk about Zach McRoberts and it's like, oh, you know, he he hustles. He's this, you know, he's this underdog guy. And, and, and he is a lot of those things. And we're going to talk when we talk about his strengths and weaknesses about what he needs to do offensively to be more of a threat. But, you know, I wonder if if we're doing him a disservice because you look at guys in the NBA and, and they always talk about the three and D guy, you know, the person who plays really good defense and then can space the floor because they make three pointers. And I look at Zach as, you know, a quintessential at the college level, a D and three guy right now, you know, because obviously his value is more on defense. You know, he gets the steals. You can put him on a wide variety of guys. Uh, he, he's outstanding as a defender, both, you know, on the ball and as a help defender. And he can knock down the open three. You know, again, if he can just start taking more of those with more confidence. But, Coach, do you kind of feel like we're underselling what he actually brings to the basketball court by just kind of chalking it up to, you know, him being on the floor just because he plays hard? Yes, because I, I think we look uh, at a lot of times outside the program at things like scoring ability and dunking and high one-handed rebounds and some of those skill things. Uh, but it's the little things. I will say this on offense. It's about angles. He's, he, he cuts well. He spots up well. He spaces the offense 
well. He knows when to, uh, we call it a dive. When there's a, a drive on the weak side, he dives to the opening and he, he gets to loose balls. He understands how to compete for loose balls. And on offense, he really moves the basketball with the one more pass. When it comes to him, he, he knows he knows who's on the floor and who needs to get the basketball. Those are skills that sometimes aren't very popular. And, and that's what the coaches have seen in the last couple of years and have put him out there uh, to do that. This is a very skilled uh, – I think basketball IQ is a skill. Shooting, guarding, also uh, skills. But the basketball IQ one sometimes is not looked upon as, as favorably, and that is his biggest strength, that he is a top-notch college player when it comes to doing all of those things right, and he makes teammates better. That is important. And so, yes, he's, it's just not playing hard. It's, it's doing all of the little things uh, that, that make a defense and an offense click. Andy, do you think it's something where, you know, national pundits and maybe people who aren't, you know, diehard IU fans who watch the team inside and out, you know, every single game, do you think it's something that as they look at Indiana now at the preseason, they're trying to assess how good Indiana is going to be, and they see you know Zach McRoberts still in the rotation, that that's the kind of thing where they're like, or, and maybe they totally overlook him and just see all the freshmen coming in and don't even think he's going to play, but do you think that's the kind of thing that people look at as too much of a question mark than, uh, than it is, than it should be, that you really have to be able to watch the games to truly understand? I mean, I would say yes, if for no other reason than when you go and look at the, you know, a lot of things that Brian mentioned, things that, that we've mentioned aren't things that if you just go back and look at a stat line and say, here's what this guy, here's what this guy did, it's not going to blow you away. And I think it's going to be more of what you said, where it's, you know, he was a, people will view him as a placeholder until something better came along and got there and that he played last year out of necessity, potentially more than, than merit. And and now you've got these guys coming in that are going to take that spot away. And I I don't think Archie's going to be one to quickly relinquish that spot. And I don't think he's going to be one to quickly relinquish that spot. But I do think for those who don't, you know, live and breathe this this kind of thing, it'd be easy to say, like, well, you know, thank God they finally have a guy who can step in for for this guy who couldn't average, you know, five points a game or uh or, or whatever it was. And um, you know, again, I think on last year's team that was I, not not problematic because he certainly helped them play well as they won, but it was, you know, his his kind of lack of statistical production was a detriment because there weren't enough other guys to really pick up the slack. I think where the influx of talent helps is now that he doesn't necessarily need to be more than what he was last year. And even though I think he could be and he may end up being, uh, you know, more of a, a producer and and may score a few more points. I don't know that that's as necessary this year as maybe as it, it was last year. And I think it, it, you know, in some ways it could actually be a benefit to him where he can really settle in and uh, not feel any pressure whatsoever to, to do more than what he's comfortable with, even though I think we'd all like to see him take more open shots that he has and, and things like that. Cause he's proven that he can make them. Uh, and, and I think that's important too, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you could kind of view it either way, but I think people who don't know, enough about the program are certainly going to be more apt to say, let's slide this guy aside. Somebody else is going to take a spot. Yeah, no, that's well said. And, and, you know, we should be careful. I mean, you know, Zach McRoberts is not, uh, you know, Calvert Chaney. I mean, he obviously has his limitations as a player and is a role player, but I just, you know, I've seen a few people who are, I think, discounting what he can be on this team and not just that he's going to hold on to his spot by default, but that, uh, you know, I really think he's going to earn it. And, and as I said, you know, maybe is underrated for a lot of the different things he can do that don't show up in the box score. But coach, like you said, do contribute 
to winning basketball games. So coming up, we're going to continue our look at Zach McRoberts by diving into some of the numbers uh, at Synergy and at Ken Palm to find out what Zach's greatest strengths were on offense and defense and what specifically he needs to improve on to take the next step as a senior and to be more than a guy who just plays defense and occasionally scores, but that can really fit his role on this year's team. That is next. Stick with us. are listening to the assembly call so here is a little fun fact we have over 5700 now iu fans from around the globe who subscribe to our email newsletter there's a high level operation going on out there and you can join too it is easy just text iu to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com you will get our weekly six banner sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins it is all free and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed iu basketball fan again go to assemblycall.com or text iu to 66866 and join for free today make no excuses Hi, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni as Ryan Phillips has the week off and we are doing our deep dive into Zach McRoberts uh, talking about what his role will be on this year's team and we're about to look at some of the numbers and really uh, you know assess his strengths and weaknesses and what in particular uh, he's got room to improve on but Andy when we were talking uh, between segments you made a really good point you know as we start talking about strengths and weaknesses here you know, one of the biggest strengths that Zach possesses is consistency. Like you just know he's going to play hard. You know what you're going to get. And even if there may be some things that that would be lacking for him to be the perfect basketball player, you know, he's not going to take guys off the dribble except for that one glorious time against Michigan State, which was fantastic. You know, he's not going to give you huge offensive outbursts. But as a coach, you do know what he's going to give you. And that in and of itself is a strength. And, and coach, you might even say that's a talent. Um, how important is that, you think, Andy? Well, I, you know, we we talked a little bit about, you know, toward the at various points of last season and really the last few seasons, it's it's kind of been a question of how many guys do you have that you know what you're going to get from them on a night in and night out basis. And I think over the course of last season, when Zach really worked his way into the rotation, he was a guy that you would point to and say, look, what you're going to get from him may not be spectacular on the stat sheet, but you knew what you were going to get from an effort, from a defense and those kinds of things. And I you know, on a team that's pretty young and that still has a lot of questions, maybe different questions than than were there a year ago. Uh, I don't think you can undersell the value to a coach of having a guy out there that you know is going to make the smart play to some of the you know basketball IQ stuff that uh, that coach was talking about earlier. I, I think there's a value in that, and maybe the balance of those minutes shifts over the course of the season, and he plays a little bit less, uh, you know, maybe fewer more impactful minutes on down the line. Um, but with a number of young guys who you're really trying to ease in, I think there's a certain comfort as a coach to being able to have a guy like that where you can allow those guys to ease in. And I, I think that's a luxury that some of these guys didn't have uh, a year ago. And and while this is probably not a veteran team by any means, uh, I think being able to use some of the experience that you do have with a guy like Zach to really anchor things and be a, a steadying influence and a consistent producer uh, will help the young guys along early on where they don't have to take on too much. Yep. So coach, let, let's talk about some of Zach's strengths. And look, we know how good he is on defense. And I have a few numbers that I'll talk about here in a minute that further solidify that. But I want to start on the offensive end. And I think when we talk about a strength, 
that we really hope that Zach can double down on. It's the shooting. You know, he didn't have a lot of opportunities last year, but in 36 possessions spotting up, he produced 1.11 points per possession, which is actually eight in the 84th percentile. So that's really good. Uh, and he was good in catch and, suit, in, in catch and shoot situations. He was 11 for 28 overall, which is only a field goal percentage of 39.3%, but that's why a field goal percentage is not always the stat you want to look at. His effective field goal percentage was 58.9%, because most of those were three-pointers, and that was in the 81st percentile. And I think, you know, the one thing that's easy to assume about this year is you might think, well, you know, Zach's going to get a lot more open looks because now he's got, you know, Jawan Morgan's there and Romeo Langford's there and, and you know, Devon, Devontae Green should be better. But I started thinking back to last year, and it's not like he wasn't getting open looks. He was just kind of scared to take them. You know, I think, you know, we referenced it before, kind of these hot potato pass-outs where he would just get it and not even look at the basket. And so... He should get some more opportunities because of the the guys around him, but it's not going to make a difference if he's not more confident and, and able to step up. And I really think when you look at what he can provide offensively, in addition to the opportunistic offensive rebounding and the tap outs and the cutting and all of that, if he can be a 38 to 42% three-point shooter and maybe take two attempts a game instead of one attempt per game, now he becomes even more valuable when you combine that to his defense. And it's not like he has to take something that he struggled with and get better. He's just got to almost have more confidence in something that he's already good at, if that makes sense. You know, Jared, what you're talking about is he needs to be able to stretch the floor. If he's not looking to take shots and just be a passer and a pos and hold a position on offense, then the team can really play, set their defense to play five on four against Romeo, against some other teams, because they're just not going to close out because basically if you don't shoot, you're guarding yourself. Um, and so, you know, 40% from three is okay from a, is really good for a, a guy like McRoberts, but if he is an offensive threat and, and not a double digit threat, but just a threat that you can't leave him alone and you must, uh, know where he is that stretches the floor and spreads the defense and allows the Morgans, the Romeos, the Devante Greens more room to operate. And just by stretching the floor and being a threat, he helps the offense, even if the ball does not go in the basket. And we, we talk all the time about we need to get our, improve our shooting, improve our offense out past the three-point line at every level of play. Why? To stretch the defense and make it easier to attack north and south. And, you know, sticking with offense, you know, you look at some of his weaknesses offensively, and there are obviously a lot of them. I think, you know, the biggest one is going on what you just said. He's too often not a threat. You know, he only used 8.4% of possessions last year, which is a extremely low. You know, he only took 7.3% of the shots when he was on the floor. Again, extremely low to the point where people didn't even have to guard him because he wouldn't look at the basket. Uh, I think, you know, some other weaknesses... He doesn't really create for others, you know, in terms of assists. You know, he doesn't get a lot of assists and is a little bit too loose with the basketball for a guy who's not creating. His turnover rate of 20.6%, you'd like to see him bring that down a little bit just so that, you know, he's he's protecting possessions a little bit more. I felt like a few times last year, he just got a little bit kind of frantic, a little bit jumpy with the ball in his hands, and it led to, to some bad passes. You know, wasn't good statistically in pick and rolls, not a driver. He wasn't in those situations very often, and I don't think he'll be asked to do that that here. So, you know, he's really on a team that can help to minimize the impact of his weaknesses on offense. And if he can just step up and make more shots like that, Andy, uh, it'll really help accentuate, you know, what he can bring to the table offensively. 
Yeah, I think you know this team is is pretty well positioned to let him play to his strengths, and that is, you know, ideally, as you said, small sample size, so take it for what it's worth. But uh, but let's assume he can maintain a reasonably high high rate of of making three point shots in spot up situations, and being a guy who just is opportunistic and cuts off the ball. Um, but but. You know, the the second thing I said there, again, ties back to the basketball IQ. There's no reason to believe that he can't make smart, timely cuts and and take advantage of the fact that defenses are going to be paying attention a lot more to other guys than they are to him. So there's no reason to believe that he's going to be put in the situations that really accentuate his weaknesses in, in, in any way. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this somewhat jokingly, but, you know, I, I, I've talked about the like senior year, Dane Fife. I mean, to go back and look at what he did in his senior year, he only used 14% of possessions. Um, but he took, you know, 240 shots from the floor between twos and threes. Now that is not going to happen uh, with Zach, I don't think. So there's, there's you know, it's not going to swing quite to that level. But, you know, Fife was, you know, a 47% three-point shooter on 140 attempts that year. Wow. Um, and his, you know, his main role was defensive, you know, steal rate of 2.7%. Uh, as you look back. And so that was really what he was asked to do. He wasn't a guy who was creating off the dribble uh, and, and doing those kinds of things. He was really making things work with his defense. So maybe it's senior year, Dane Fife light, but I think that's the kind of role performance thing like that. I mean, if you told me that McRoberts doubled the number of threes that he took and and made 40% of them, I, I, mean, I think you'd feel pretty good about what he would provide, even if he didn't do much of anything else above and beyond what he already uh, he already has done. So he's not a guy who you're going to see that, you know, possessions use number get up at all uh, into the, you know, 15 to 20% range. But um, I think he could be really efficient because of that, because he's, you know, really only shooting the ball in scenarios that accentuate the things that he does well. I mean, Dane Fife was a five-star recruit who was a huge contributor on a team that made it to the national championship game. If Zach McRoberts can be Dane Fife light as a senior, that would be quite the achievement for Zach. <laughs> so that, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call. Uh, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, go. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, if, if some of the young guys come in and can uh, hit a three and then drive and can make more passes and assist and does not turn the ball over at those levels – then all of a sudden now Indiana has five threats, major threats on two or three different offensive things. That's why the summer is important for McRoberts as well, yeah. to work on his game, to be better than what he was uh, so that the basketball, you know, I don't think anyone's better than he is basketball IQ. But some of those stats that you said, Jared, are a little bit concerning because if all he is is a three, there's a way to defend that too. You just run at him and and you know, try to run him off the three-point line if he becomes a threat from the three-point line and hope that he turns it over or doesn't hit the the open man. So, you know, we all like Mick Roberts, but the, there is there is some liabilities there with him on the floor offensively that he needs to get better in order to maintain those minutes. But let's also be real. We've spent a lot of time talking about his offense because that's what Zach McRoberts needs to improve on. But he will play because of his defense. Because his coach values defense and because Zach McRoberts is an elite defender. Like, it's not just that Zach McRoberts hustles and tries hard out there. When you watch him with the eye test and look at some of the matchups that he takes on, and then when you look at the numbers, it all matches up. So let me give you a few numbers, coach, and you tell me if this kind of matches, you know, what your eye test tells you when you're watching Zach McRoberts on defense. We talked about the steal rate. It was best in the Big Ten. You know, active hands, active feet, active eyes helped lead to that. 
he had 173 possessions last season where he guarded the man who ended the possession with either a shot or a turnover. Right? That is not a small sample size. That's a lot of possessions. He allowed less than 0.7 points per possession. That was in the 91st percentile in the country. And that was playing some pretty good competition and taking on some pretty big individual matchups. He rated as excellent in the top 83rd percentile or good in the top 56th percentile in all overall areas of defense. So whether it's spot up, guarding pick and rolls, isos, off screens, post ups. So he doesn't have a glaring weakness defensively, except for maybe one, which I'll get to in a minute. But he also, on a team that gave up so many open threes and didn't seem like it could recover well to shooters, he defended catch-and-shoot opportunities really well. In 52 attempts, only 15 makes, which was in the 82nd percentile. So did all of those things really well. When you look at the one thing inside the numbers that he struggled with, and I think this makes some intuitive sense, is he can struggle at times containing dribblers. So in end-of-shot-clock situations, which is you know kind of some one-on-one stuff, in 23 possessions, he gave up 20 points. 28th percentile. And, and you know, all of these are somewhat small sample sizes, but still telling, I think. Uh, guarding uh, jumpers off the dribble in 38 possessions, he gave up 35 points. That was in the 30th percentile. Guarding drives to his right in 12 possessions, gave up 11 points, 27th percentile. So again, smaller sample sizes, but you kind of see the one weakness is when he, it's almost like when he gets matched up, just one-on-one athletic ability against athletic ability, he can struggle. But in team defense, situations that call for awareness, uh, you know, it, you know, uh, knowing where to be, uh, being able to recover, you know, not not doing the uh, the fake hustle as you would call it, coach, but actually recovering well. He does all of those things at an elite level, and that is why he is going to play this year because even if those other guys provide the offense that you're talking about, coach, the defense that Zach is going to be able to provide and, and help stabilize on a young team is what I think is going to be most important. Yeah, and Archie Miller said that it takes two or three years to really get his pack defense in. And when you have a high basketball IQ guy uh, like McRoberts, with all of those stats on the positive side, we're simply uh, because he's in the right position. And it takes a mind and it takes a heart to play defense. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of skill to play uh, defense. You have to have a desire. And McRoberts has a desire, and I think that's why we all really, really, really enjoy him. When you talk about the weaknesses, though, Good coaches will isolate him, and they'll work the ball around, and they'll, you know, find a way to get him in one-on-one. But so we could go through every player and find their weaknesses, and a good coach is going to attack their weaknesses. Uh, but yeah, Mick, Mick Roberts is a guy you can depend on defensively, and a lot of times coaches will put their, you know, the fifth best offensive player if he's a solid defensive player will always have a place to play because you got to stop people uh, to win as well as score points. Uh, Andy, any final thoughts on Zach here before we wrap up? I mean, I think it seems pretty clear that we're all pretty, you know, pro Zach and, and, uh, you know, hopefully we didn't overdo it with, with the praise, I, I, uh, you know, hopefully this was a realistic look at what he can bring both on the positive side and what he needs to improve on. But I think any way you slice it, when you look at, when you look forward to this season, he is going to be an important part of the rotation. And it just remains to be seen if that's playing 60% of minutes or maybe 40% of minutes, you know, or somewhere in between. But he's going to be a guy who plays a good amount. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway for me. is, And I think it'll be interesting to watch how that shifts over the course of the season, like we talked about a little bit. I think early on, um, it probably ends up more on the 60% side of what you said. And maybe that diminishes a little bit as other guys get more comfortable and uh, and get their feet wet. But by the same token, if he comes out and plays well and gives 
gives you a little bit more offensively and the same kind of defensive uh, production and awareness that you just described statistically, um, it's really hard to see that dropping off. And and perhaps as younger guys take minutes, they're going to come at the expense of somebody else and not him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it really hard to believe that at least initially his minutes would drop off substantially unless for whatever reason, he's just not showing the same kind of effort that, that he did before. But again, I go back to He's shown the kind of effort in practice situations and in games and the kind of awareness and, and just general giving your team a better chance to win for two different guys over the last two years that it feels like a stretch to really make. Uh, it feels like a much bigger stretch to make the assumption that he's not going to be able to do that and earn those minutes uh, than, it, than it does to say, um, you know, the other, the other side of that argument. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. All righty. Coming up in our final segment, we are going to answer your questions. Uh, a couple of good ones submitted. One of the questions is a great one about which Big Ten player who isn't a preseason all-league candidate that we would want to add to IU's roster. So really required kind of digging deep in the other rosters. Uh, that and a couple of other interesting questions coming up next. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call. We are wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And let's get quickly to your questions, see how many of these we can get through. First question is from East Coast Hoosier. It says, what one player in the Big Ten who you would not expect to be on Inside the Hall's top 25 players list would you add to IU's roster if you could? By the way, I just want to say, this is a great question. Like It's a really smart question because it puts a fun constraint on it which makes it you know kind of extra fun to think about it makes you consider players that you wouldn't and kind of dig deep on big 10 rosters so uh, we talked about this off air and it sounds like all of us pretty much went to the exact same position first and we were thinking about this so andy lead us off uh yeah so yeah not to spoil it for anybody i think we all immediately went to point guard i mean we think there are questions about this team but i think that's the biggest one to answer um my first thought was xavier simpson of michigan uh a really good defender which i think Certainly, Archie would value, uh, you know, an on-ball guy at the at the point of that defense. Uh, you know, shot well on two-pointers. You know, good at getting other guys involved. That had a high assist rate, so kind of the quintessential point guard in terms of you know getting other guys their shots before uh, getting his own. Struggled to shoot threes and and did not shoot the ball well from the free throw line. So some would say that in that regard, he would fit in very well with the team that we saw from IU last year. But uh, it, he was he was one of the first guys that came to mind. Uh, for me, just because of I think the the things that he would do well are things that Archie values, and it's at a position that uh, probably needs some stability for IU. And so you take a guy who was able to uh, be the starting point guard on a team that got to the final game. Yeah, and mine was going to be Glenn Watson from Nebraska, senior point guard, solid assist to turnover ratio, good defender, but a terrible shooter. And I, I just I didn't think about Xavier Simpson, so I would uh, defer to you on that one. I think he's a better option than Glenn Watson. Uh, Coach, who would who would your guy be? Well, when you first sent out this question, I right away went with what players from what programs would I like to have at Indiana? Who who do I think are the better coached programs? And so that's right away I went to Michigan, and, and I would agree with Andy there because I, I just think that they're they're very well coached. I, I looked at Northwestern uh, to see if there was anyone, and I settled with Wisconsin 
and a guy who was injured but started early last year in Demetric Trice. Uh, I just think Wisconsin plays really solid fundamental basketball, and if he was a starter there, no one really knows about him. He's not going to be on a top 25 list, but uh, he is very talented and fundamental. That program has always been fundamental, and that's something that we've been wanting with our point guard a little bit better play. So my pick was Demetric Trice from Wisconsin. All right, so let's squeeze in uh, this last question here from Scott. So he says, I saw a lot of cream quote unquote, in last year's team on occasion, especially early. And Andy, that's something that we talked about on the postgame show, all the bad habits that needed to be broken. How deep do we think some of those tendencies are with this team? Do we think we will see more of an Archie Miller type of team in his second season, coach? I think you'll see it a lot more like an Archie Miller team, not quite totally where it's at yet, but it takes a year to try to uh, change, I will say, uh, the emphasis and the ideas that, that you want to do when you are a new coach. And so, yes, I agree that there was a lot of leftover uh, play and style and the year has now washed that uh, away. And hopefully that's for the, the better. All right. And we have this question from Eric from Facebook predictions for Hoosier hysteria dunk contest and three point contest winner. Andy, you want to take a stab at that? we got about 50 seconds. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, I guess three point, it would feel like Romeo is the, uh, is the way to go. Um, I'm taking fantasy. All right. Uh, dunk contest. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, Forrester, although it's always kind of, I feel like it's kind of hard for a tall guy to, uh, to, uh, to win that one. So maybe Justin Smith, they talk about how he's a really good practice dunker. I remember they joked last year about how he would do some amazing things in practice and then they would kind of give him a hard time about not being able to do it in the game. So I guess I'll go with him for the uh, dunk contest. Yeah, I think, I mean, if it's, you know, if if fan reaction is going to uh, dictate the dunk contest, then I think it'll be Romeo. But Justin is definitely uh, a, a solid choice. Coach, who are your early favorites for dunk contest and three-point contest winner? Watch out for Demise Anderson in the three-point uh, contest. And Jerome Hunter in the dunk contest. Those are my upset specials. Hmm. I'll tell you another guy to watch out for in the three-point contest. Al Durham. Watch out for Al Durham. The guy's in there working hard, and he may uh, he may want to show these freshmen what's up. So show a little love there to Al Durham. All right, uh, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... 
Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.